Trek Geeks is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles, with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. Hi, this is Andy Robinson, Elam Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Failure to tune in would not sit well with the Obsidian Order. From a secret Maquis base, just outside the Badlands, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast in episode number 212. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. Thank you so much for joining us and downloading. We know you all have a whole lot on your minds going on in the world right now, so we're hoping to just provide you a little bit of distraction and talking about Star Trek because we love it, you love it, and that's why we're here. Speaking of we... I would like to introduce my illustrious co-host, without whom this show would not be possible. He's the lovely and talented Dan Davidson. And Dan, I hope this time finds both you and your lovely bride both safe and sane as we sort of ride out this sort of global pandemic. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Same to you and your wife. Um, Yeah, things are going good. Uh, Hanging in there. Uh, we spend every moment together, which is what we like to do more than anything else. So I, I really can't complain, even though we don't say anything to each other for hours at a time because I'm on my laptop working and she's on her laptop working over there. Yes. Every once in a while, I'll just like Tourette something out of my mouth because that's how I do things when I work. <laughs> and she'll just kind of look at me funny and then we'll just go and work some more. So it's going well. It's good to be here, though. I always that, like talking Star Trek with you, man. That is exactly what happens in the Smith house, by the way. <laughs> That very same thing. Every now and then, I, 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 we change rooms if one of us has to get on a conference call. So if she needs to get on a conference call, I'll find a different room. Yeah. And I'll go work for a while. But, uh, but other than that, it's, it's usually you know silence and silence and then an expletive. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> no, it's, but I will say the expletive is always from me because in all of the years that my wife and I have been together, I haven't heard her swear once. She doesn't. I, I'm amazed you haven't driven her to swear. Um, she, uh, well, she's by herself. She probably swears at me a whole lot, but <laughs> I don't hear that. <laughs> it's probably best that way. <laughs> it's probably best. No, it's it's good to hear that you guys are, are riding the uh, riding the whole situation out as we are doing, as we hope everyone out there is doing. Mm. Um, that's really all the uh, Rona talk we're going to get into for, for the episode because um, we want to talk about things that make us happy and things that um, we love, and that's Star Trek, buddy. And today we have a, uh, a great conversation topic, a, a character that we've developed a huge appreciation for in the last few years. 
Absolutely. I would say that the appreciation has certainly grown leaps and bounds. I think neither one of us really appreciated this character when uh, we first watched the show, when it debuted, oh my goodness, over 25 years ago, as we celebrate, as we continue to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Voyager. Today, we are going to deep dive into a character who only needs one name, doesn't need numbers, doesn't need a rank. He's just Chakotay. Akujimoya. And you're going to hear that every single time the word Chicote is spoken during this entire episode. Yes, everyone's favorite <laughs> first officer. At least I think you voted him your favorite first officer when we did the uh, the, the show uh, a few back a few years back. Yeah, so um, this ought to be a great discussion because there is a lot to talk about. The famous tattooed first officer of the USS Voyager. I said he was the best of the first officers because mm-hmm. I think he came the closest to meeting the criteria that we set out. Uh, especially in executing the captain's vision. Mm-hmm. Um, Spock didn't always necessarily do that. Although Spock was a fine first officer, um, they all were. I mean, let's be honest. I think that Chakotay was closest to the mark of, of what you would hope for in a prototypical Starfleet first officer, even though he was technically not. He was, he was a Maquis. Uh, did we ever have Will Decker in our list for Thunderdome? I just thought of that. No. Wow. Well, because he was captain of the Enterprise and then was demoted just for yeah, that, that V'ger mission. That's awesome. <laughs> Decker unit. Decker unit. No, I know. It's Kirk unit. Please don't send emails. That's an, ins- <laughs> that's an inside joke between Dan and me. Yes, so, it is. Absolutely. Um, so, Dan, because people may have uh, some more time on their hands or, or may want to uh, maybe give us some feedback, how might they route us their comments, suggestions, questions, or other good wishes? Well, it's, uh, it's real easy. If you're looking to get in touch with us, you can head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you will find a multitude of ways to communicate with us. Let's see. There's Skype chat. There's email. I don't think anybody's actually ever used Skype chat yet, so somebody should do that. There's even voicemail by way of that big blue button using SpeakPipe. Whatever way you want to contact us, just make it so because we do love hearing from everyone. Plus, there's also the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook. It's called Camp Kittimer. It is our official group, and it's where over 1,600 other friends gather to talk all things Trek. It's always positive, and no bashing or gatekeeping is ever allowed. To join the group, just head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, Sarah, and Dan for the amazing job they do running the camp. And also, Bill, 1001001011011001101010110. I watched the Binar episode the other day. Let me translate that. Uh, yes, please remember you. that any comments or messages you may send us could be used in a future episode of Trek Geeks. Now back to you, Bill. Oh, whoops, sorry. One zero 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 one. Oh, perfect. Sorry about that. So we do have a special message for those of you that have already purchased tickets to Trek Geeks Live, our our stage show, which was supposed to happen originally on April 26th in downtown Concord, New Hampshire, and has now been officially postponed to October 25th of this year, 2020. For those of you who've already bought tickets, please go to trekgeekslive.com and let the Bank of New Hampshire stage know what you're going to do with your tickets. Um, Part of the issue with with them having to reschedule shows is they've had to reschedule everything. Mm, They have done an insane amount of work these last few weeks to reschedule shows, to open spots in their calendar further on in the year. And they'd like to get at least an accurate count of what seats will still be available for October. So if you've had tickets, 
go to trekgeekslive.com and select one of the four options there on the webpage. And they are keep my tickets, if you still intend to go to the show, donate, gift card, or refund. Those are your four options. You can choose to do one of those four things. You can keep your tickets, you can donate them, you can get a gift card to use for another Bank of New Hampshire stage show, or you can get your money back um, depending on whether or not you can make the new date. So this is all to help them get an accurate count for their ticket system and to help ease the burden on their part um, as far as rescheduling shows. So again, if you've purchased tickets, please go to trekgeekslive.com and let the venue know your preference. And for those of you who are going, Dan and I look forward to seeing you on Sunday, October 25th, 2020 at 8 p.m. where we talk about why Star Trek matters. And don't you think it matters even more now that we're going to be shut in for so many months? You know, it's interesting because as I've been putting together the program for that night, um, I was, uh, I've been thinking about having to add this, this event to why Star Trek matters, mm. because this has provided a huge distraction, not only for you and for me, but for everybody listening and then everybody watching Picard or going back and doing rewatches like we did with our themed rewatches last week. So I, I think it's been elemental and just in keeping our mental sanity. And I think that's, that, that truly is another reason why Star Trek matters. And I'd like to add one more thing to it. Anybody who has not watched The Ready Room with Will Wheaton, Will Wheaton, um, <laughs> he had um, uh, the, uh, the actors who plays Dr. Gerardi, Allison Pill, and mm-hmm. Sir Patrick Stewart on his final episode of the season. And Sir Patrick Stewart said literally that Star Trek matters now more than ever. Coming from the man... Sir Patrick Stewart, that speaks volumes. Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Spinning the Alpha Quadrant. For all the news on all the Star Treks, yo. It's treknews.net. I can't wait to see what the levels look like in the audio editing program. I've been listening to a lot of ACDC lately. I don't know how I'm going to compensate for that <laughs> because it's probably going to sound like somebody's ears are splitting. Sorry. Like mine just did. Online at treknews.net. Um, at first, I thought you sounded like you were coughing. <laughs> um, I thought you were delivering birth to a baby cow. It has happened. <laughs> I've, se- I've seen him do it. <laughs> Dan, first up is the world continues to change really before our eyes due to the coronavirus pandemic we're starting to see several conventions be affected from everything that's going on yeah sadly we are man um i know that recently the nichelle nichols farewell convention was postponed from may to a reportedly sometime in july um and as a result you actually had to cancel your plans to attend that convention and most recently uh destination star trek germany announced that the annual event scheduled for may 1st will have to be postponed until october 9th through 11th of 2020 now this convention had already been rescheduled from may 8th due to re- uh unrelated reasons uh to the coronavirus but now it's been pushed much farther out into the year 
Of course, Bill, uh, many people, you and I included, are concerned as to what's going to happen with STLV, uh, with what's happening these days. We have not heard anything from creation as of yet, and we'll be sure to let listeners know if we hear anything about the convention, which is still scheduled for August 5th through the 9th. You know, the con is still 120, 130 days away at this point, so we're hoping for the best so we can gather with our Star Trek family uh, in the Las Vegas desert. And on a side note, to add to all of that, I'm keeping my eyes very closely on the big destination Star Trek convention planned for mid-November in London, which Sue and I are planning on attending. Hopefully all of the craziness will subside and our planned trip can still happen, but of course... The most important thing is everyone's good health and safety, and that will always be uh, the geek's primary concern. Absolutely. I think that you and Sue are probably in good shape for November. Um, as- yeah, my only concern is 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 when this starts wrapping up, there might still be that lag of wanting to do things in in with big crowds. That's the only thing I'm concerned about. No, and I, I get it. I mean, I could see where people would become very phobic of those types of things after a global event like this, because in our lifetimes, we've never seen anything like it. Right. I mean, the Ebola crisis, uh, what, of 10, 11 years ago, didn't really reach the same proportion. Um, or same with uh, SARS. Um, right. Certainly, it was, it was a big problem, but certainly not to the degree we're seeing with COVID-19. I, I think if we get to the end of May and there is still this uncertainty and nothing is changing. I don't see STLV happening because then we'll be at the beginning of June right? and we're two months away from Vegas. I just, I don't see it happening. And one of the things that I'm concerned about with that is, as I may have said this before on a, on a previous episode is a lot of the cast members are, are getting up there in age and they're susceptible to catching this thing. So I think if it gets closer, a lot of the cast members will probably rightfully cancel going because they're concerned for their health and i certainly can't blame them well this also means production schedules for shows are going to be set back so we'd have no idea when season four of discovery will start Mm -hmm. um or season two of picard sonequa martin green is currently pregnant right i'm certainly uh, i'm sure that she's not going to want to expose herself to to any large crowds if there's still anything lingering so um if I, I think if we've seen a, a significant decline by the end of May, I think STLV could still happen. Um, right now, I need to believe it's going to, ha- going mm-hmm. to happen because it's keeping me sane. Right. Absolutely. I'll be honest about that. Yep. Um, but Lord, I, Lord knows I don't keep you sane. Oh, hell no. <laughs> God. Um, but as soon as we hear things, we'll certainly let everybody know, uh, both on social media and here on the podcast. Uh, so Dan continuing in news also season one of Picard, obviously just wrapped last week. And I think both you and I agree that it was just nothing short of phenomenal. Any, anyone that may not have CBS all access now has their chance to see the entire series for free. For free, indeed. This is great news. CBS All Access is offering a free month trial to new and past subscribers to the service. All you need to do is uh, sign up for the service and use the code word GIFT, and you will get one month free. And that will include being able to watch all 10 episodes of Star Trek Picard. Now, as the thir- once the 30-day trial is over, you will start being charged for the service going forward. But believe me, it will be worth it. I mean, really, in people right now, they're social distancing. They're staying at home. What better time to catch up on some of your favorite Star Trek series because um, every series is available at CBS All Access, Bill. So great, great news. And finally, Dan, as we get used to social distancing in the coronavirus world, there are many good things that have come from it, including a special birthday celebration for Star Trek's favorite counselor. 
Yeah. You know, in these uncertain times, Bill, people come together in the best of ways. And Marina Suritas recently celebrated her birthday. And although many of us are isolated in our homes to prevent the spread of the virus, she was still able to celebrate in style. She posted an incredible image on her Twitter page, which can also be seen over at Camp Kittimer, of a Zoom meeting that she had to celebrate her birthday. Uh, with her also was Sir Patrick Stewart, Michael Dorn, Will Wheaton, Jonathan Frakes, LeVar Burton, Brent Spiner, and Gates, McFad- Gates McFadden, who you might have heard of any of these people. Gates McFadden, I will say it correctly. Um, you know... The sad thing is this was Marina's first birthday since the sudden loss of her husband. But it was so good to see her Star Trek family was there for her. And she absolutely loved it, saying in her tweet, quote, I have the best friends in the world. Considering everything, this was the best birthday present. Hashtag TNG rules, end quote. It was an awesome picture. What an amazing Zoom meeting. None of my Zoom meetings this week have been that awesome. I'm just going to say that right now. I would not think so. No. If you're in it, it's not awesome anyway. But I'm in a meeting yeah. right now with the ugliest person I know. <laughs> but it's and... not Zoom, so we win. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're the big winner here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Congrats. That's <laughs> um, funny because Denise Crosby tweeted out today, hey, there was a TNG thing and I wasn't invited. Oh. Well, that's what <laughs> happens when you leave after the first season. I was going to say, it was the season two cast. <laughs> oh, wait, season three because Gates was there. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> wow. Ouch. Yeah. It was. Uh, they could say it was the season uh, seasons five cast. When did Will leave? Uh, he five? was in an episode in season seven, I think, wasn't he? At least, yeah, he was one. Mitten Hands was there too, I think. <laughs> Mitten Hands. <laughs> Dan, as always, we are proud and truly honored to have Fansets as our presenting sponsor here on Trek Geeks. Now, more than ever, we're urging all of our listeners to support small business, and Fansets is right at the top of that list. Even in the middle of this pandemic, they are truly hard at work to bring you new and amazing pins for your ever-growing collection. Yeah, they certainly are, man. As we saw all the great artwork for the first releases of Star Trek Picard Micro Crew pins, just to review, we recently saw Dodge, Elnor, Dr. Agnes Girati, Soji, and Seven of Nine, but they were not done. Oh, no, no. They had a little contest on Twitter over the weekend to get a whole bunch of tweets to release one more design, and we were not disappointed, my friend, as Narek, yes, everyone's favorite Romulan villain, was previewed. Uh, they're not done, though, folks, not by a long shot. They've hinted that more previews will be coming in the next week or so, so keep your eyes peeled on Twitter and Facebook for some additional Picard pins. They even have an update that was just posted tonight, just before we started recording, to the Fansets blog with all of the pins coming across all of their lines in uh, in April, which is fantastic. So everybody awesome. should check that out. Um, but you know, also we want everyone to know that with the coronavirus issue still being at the forefront of well, literally everything, the shipping of Picard, Delta, and Starfleet visitor pins has been slightly delayed. In fact, they were supposed to be dropped off with fansets tonight after having cleared customs. Mm. So they've finally arrived in the United States and fansets is going to be hard at work getting those out to everyone who pre-ordered them truly as soon as humanly possible. And while you're waiting for your new Picard swag, because you knew that this had to be coming, go get some more stuff. I mean, because we love fansets 
And if you want to receive an amazing 15% off your entire order at fansets.com, just enter the Trek Geeks exclusive discount code CHAKOTE. That's C-H-A-K-O-T-A-Y in all capital letters with no spaces at checkout. That's right. That code is going to get you 15% off everything you're going to get at fansets.com. And this bonus code will be available until Wednesday, April 8th, 2020 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Akuchi Moya. <laughs> Akuchi Moya. Yes. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Dan, 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 Dan. Wait, wrong segment. Wow. Wow. We just did that. We, well, no, get, that was, the, we get, did the news. We didn't do Dan, 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 Dan. You got con cobs in your ears, son? <laughs> no, I do not. Um, I, I, I never start with Dan, 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 Dan. That's, that's true. I appreciate that. Because it was all about you. Except this segment is all about um, the character that, now you have to refresh my memory because I'm old and I forget things. Didn't he win our first officer Thunderdome? He did. You, he did win it. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I know you picked him as the number one. I did. Um, I'm not, I don't remember who I picked. <laughs> I have to go back and listen. Oh, well, but that would mean you'd have to listen to the podcast. And like, like, like Chris Mumphrey, <laughs> yeah, you don't listen. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Um, but uh, yeah, he did well. I know that. But of course, we are talking about Chicote. Akuchi Moya. <laughs> I'm going to try not to laugh every time we do that. Um, but, you know, as we celebrate or roll on in our celebration of Voyager 25, we thought it would be important to look at this character because um, I, I've I've come to find out now that I'm a Voyager completist that there are a lot of people who don't necessarily like Chakotay, and I'm kind of surprised by that. I mean, I didn't really like him, but I hadn't seen the whole show before. Um, now I, I actually kind of love the character. I am in the same boat as you are, man. Um, I did not like him at all at first. I really didn't. And um, it just seemed to kind of grow. The dislike seemed to grow at first. And we used to make fun of him and call him Commander Mumbles and and the Akuchimoya and this, that, and the other thing. But I tell you what, I've gone back to this probably 30 or 40 times in the last couple of years. That rewatch that I did on H&I really opened my eyes to Voyager and really opened my eyes to the character of Chakotay in a way that I never, ever thought possible. So let's time travel back about 25 years ago when Voyager is first on. We're going to slingshot around the sun. We're going to apply the brakes so we don't go too far. Well done. I'm really impressed. Thank you. Um, so the first time you're, you're watching Voyager, whenever that was, whether it was 25 years ago or some point after that. Um, what did you think after the premiere of this character? You know, were you were you kind of on board? Were, did you were, were you curious about him? Did you like him at all? No. <laughs> Why? I, I didn't like him at all at the beginning. I'm like, okay, this guy's just going to cause nothing but trouble. He's the reason why they're all out here. Is what I originally thought. He was in that transport being chased by the Cardassians with Tuvok, and he got zapped into the uh, by the caretaker to the to the uh, to the Delta Quadrant, and so I'm like, okay, this is the guy that caused Voyager to have to go out there and look for them. They got sucked into the Delta Quadrant. Now they're stranded, and now he's all of a sudden the first officer. Are you effing kidding me? This is stupid. That's what my initial thoughts were. <laughs> Interesting. So you blamed him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I'm really kind of, that's the first time I've ever heard anything like that. It really kind of blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so did you have the same feelings, like, say, about Taurus? 
Uh, no, I don't really think I did. Um, I thought she was. I thought she was interesting. I was. I think I was more stuck on the whole half human, half Klingon part of her than whether or not she was responsible for everything. But he was in command at the time, if I remember correctly, and so he was the one who was being chased. He was. He was a maquis. He put them in that situation, and and they got uh, zappy wappied over to the Delta Quadrant, and uh, so it was his fault. I, sorry, zappy wappied. Zappy wappy. Yep. Um, is that hashtag zappy wappy? It could be. It will be. It is. <laughs> oh yeah yes it is it's happening giddy yeah. up so i was not um, happy with this guy at the beginning it's interesting because when i first saw caretaker 25 years ago i i thought that this was a character that really was going to be a thorn in everybody's side um that, that he was going to be somebody that janeway was going to continually butt heads with until it came to really this this sort of boss level conflict mm-hmm. and that sort of dissipated like within a handful of episodes. It did. My problem, the the thing that I was concerned with as, as the first few shows went on is he was a Starfleet graduate Mm -hmm. um, and he did well at Starfleet Academy and then he became a Maquis. So in the eyes of the Federation and of Starfleet, he became a terrorist. He was for all intents and purposes, a terrorist because of what was going on with the Cardassians and the, and the settlers in the, in the, in the demilitarized zone. And then he becomes first officer, which I'm, when I'm like watching this, I'm like, what, what is she thinking doing this? She wants to have a guy who's Maquis to be her first officer. She's going to get a knife in her back is kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, this is not going to go well. Then I was concerned about this guy who's going to play both sides of the fence, depending on who's around. Is he going to be, oh, rah, rah, Starfleet when the Starfleet people are in the room? And is he going to be, screw the Federation, screw Starfleet, Maquis, rah, 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 when it's just the Maquis people in the room? And I really didn't know how that was going to go. And he kind of did that, I think, a little bit at the beginning. I have to agree with you. I I think the thing that surprised me about the character initially, and and I think was the initial turnoff, was that he kind of flipped sides like mm-hmm. that like in, an, in an instant. Yeah. And if Chakotay is the, the character of, uh, of, you know, uh, of some, you know, of great moral strength, you know, who has this center that these deeply held convictions, I mean, otherwise he wouldn't have become a Maquis because he did it based on principle and not because of the violence, mm-hmm. then he might not have done that. When I started rewatching Voyager, I kind of set aside that precept and just sort of enjoyed the show for what it was. I wanted to see what it had to tell me about Star Trek and not really kind of make those critical judgments about the characters. When I stepped away from my own preconceived notion, that's when I really kind of saw the beauty of this character. Um, when, when did you, you said it was when you started watching it on H&I. How, about how long ago was that? Um, it was before we moved down here. So let's see, I've been down in Merrimack for two years. Um, so it was probably four years ago, maybe, maybe okay. five. Uh, so because during, during the run of Trek geeks. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, it's, it's funny. The, the character really didn't, I mean, this is a stupid thing to say and it's not going to make any sense. The character didn't change between the time I watched it the first time and no. the time I watched it no. in, uh, five years ago. I've changed. Yes. And I think that's what makes it so interesting how I've 
developed the appreciation for Voyager over the last 25 years. Um, it, it's really something to watch. And this is the second show in a row for Star Trek where we got a crew that was put together that didn't necessarily like each other very much at the beginning. Yeah. You know, Star Trek, you, uh, the original series, you definitely had that. TNG, they were, they were all, my God, they were all perfect pretty much right off the bat with each other. DS9 had its issues with the crew members and people that would work together. And then Voyager did. And these people were literally forced into working together. And I think as I've grown grown older, I realize now that you have to have a person um, of authority to bring those two different cultures together with an understanding of both cultures. And that's what Chakotay ends up having, which is why I think it ended up working so well. I've had a lot of time to think about this because you, you brought up something really important just then. It's the character didn't change, you changed. And I think for me, I went through very much the same thing, but I also think my fandom changed. I think at the time that this came out, I was still kind of mourning the loss of Star Trek The Next Generation mm -hmm. because by the time it ended, it was very clear to everybody that watched it that it was not only classic, but also iconic. And then it would stand the test of time as good as, if not better than the original series. Yeah. And we were going to get movies every now and then. The series was done. And when it left, it left really on top of its game, despite our feelings about season seven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that really kind of colored my perception the first time I watched it. And that was, well, this isn't next gen. And it's really kind of weird because the first time I watched next gen, it was, well, this isn't Star Trek. This isn't Kirk and Spock. Yeah, that's right. You did, yeah, you said that many times. So I think that having that that perception change, sort of that reset in my own mind, has really come to help me especially appreciate Chakotay. Akuchimoya. Uh, going back to you know, the, the creation of Voyager itself, um, apparently he was one of the first characters created for the series, and that really kind of blew my mind. I would have thought it would have been Janeway. Absolutely. You would think that, you know, the up to that point, um, the captain had been the centerpiece of every show. And so you would think that all of the characters were written around the captain. And it is interesting to hear that you're going to have this commander uh, be the one that was, uh, what, what do they call it, the character Bible or something like that of, of what these characters are going to be like. And he was the one that was written first. It's interesting. If you look at the Memory Alpha entry for Chakotay, this paragraph is really kind of fascinating to me. The Native American character that became Chakotay was one of the first characters devised for Star Trek Voyager. It was inspired by the positive influence that the character of Uhura had on African Americans. Commented executive producer Jerry Taylor, quote, it seemed to us, meaning herself, Rick Berman and Michael Piller, the show's creators, that Native Americans needed the same kind of role model and that same kind of boost. The future looks good. You have purpose. You have worth. You have value. You will be leaders. You will be powerful. That was one character choice we had early on. And that's from, a, 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 I believe, a book called A Vision of the Future, Star Trek Voyager. Um, it's really kind of fascinating to have that perspective because... Until I read that, I really never had that sense about Chakotay. But now in hindsight, I can absolutely see it. It's interesting that you say that because my question to you is going to be, do you think that goal was achieved? And I don't mean to, to sound negative mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form, but we have heard about how much the character of Uhura helped with the movement back in the 60s. Yeah. I don't recall anything with Chakotay's character helping the issues that Native Americans have had to deal with 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 people that 
came into their land and kicked them out and all and and that kind of thing. I don't has there been that strong a reaction with the Native American community with the character of Chakotay? That's a question I don't have an answer to. Uh, neither do I. I'll be the first to say I don't know. Yeah. If I have to, if I had to take a stab at it, I would say no. It probably it probably doesn't. Mm-hmm. I th- and but maybe it's the kind of thing where it's going to take time to prove that out. I mean, you know, th- there are still conditions for. Native Americans in this country that are far from ideal. All right, and and the struggle is still very real. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it will take time and perspective. Uh, maybe it is, and maybe we just haven't heard about it, which is entirely possible. But I have to believe that it's it's not quite the same as far as analogies go. And I think that I think that the um, impression and the and the response that Nichelle had with her character of Aurora was pretty quick. I mean, we had the whole, you know, the story of, of Dr. King talking to her when she was thinking of leaving the show. Um, that was right then in the 60s, and it seemed to kind of slingshot the whole the whole uh, idea of, of this diverse crew. Um, it would be interesting to hear um, from any of our listeners, if they are Native American, if they have had any type of feeling similar to that with the character of Chakotay. I would be very interested in hearing if there are any. Well, the thing I do appreciate about them constructing this character is that they actually enlisted the assistance of Native Americans to help develop his background. Mm-hmm. I think that, to me, that was one of the most impressive pieces of all of this. They didn't just go out and try to write to stereotypes or write about what they thought they knew. They actually went to people who would know. Right. And these are things that I wish had been talked about more broadly over the years because it I'm just learning this now 25 years in and I'm sure that a lot of people are learning that for the first time and I'm sure a bunch more have never heard of it. Does Robert Beltran have any Native American descent? I I don't know. I'd I'd be interested in hearing his take on what whether he does or doesn't what it would be like to portray a Native American the way that he did in the show and the importance of that character. I think it would hold much more for him if he does have that descent, but at the same time, if he's representing, I think that's great. I think right now we've gotten a little bit too over the top when people of different descents are playing characters of different descent and people seem to go flying off the handle about that. I, I, I don't know if I could, if I would react the same way, um, that, that's just me. And I don't mean anything bad by it, by those people having their opinions on it, but I'd be interested to see if Robert Beltran has any of that descent in him knowing that he was going to be playing such an important character, uh, on Voyager. Um, I, I looking up at just his, his biography on the internet movie database, it does say that he is of, uh, he's the seventh of 10 children of Mexican Native American ancestry. So oh, okay. re- exactly how much I- I'm not entirely certain or whether he's connected with that portion of it. I'm not really sure. Um, but still, yeah. Well. Um, I-, I think that one of the things that I appreciate the most about Chakotay is probably his his evenness of, of tone and character. Let's face it, Riker could be a jerk sometimes. <laughs> uh, he would yell. He would get really stern. His voice would get louder. Um, but Chakotay really tried to keep sort of that even keel. And while dispensing the captain's message, he truly was a Starfleet officer. He treated everybody with respect. He treated everybody with dignity. He talked to them as if they were adults and not necessarily uh, subordinate officers. And I think that's one of the things I really like about him. 
I think that uh, it's something I was going to bring up now, but later, but I'll bring it up now. It really seemed that after the whole Maquis thing kind of went away from Barger, because it did, it kind of tailed off. It, it didn't last as long as, as maybe it should have or could have. Uh, it pretty much seemed that uh, season two-ish maybe, midway season two, season three, they were all one crew. Everybody was on the same team. And I kind of wondered, okay, now what's he going to be like? Is he, you know, Because now he's not having to do that balance. But I'll tell you what. He turned into 100% Starfleet officer and and did it the right way. And and you're absolutely right. There were times when you knew that you were in trouble with Chakotay by the way that he spoke, but he never did lose the temper or really get out of line um, that we have seen with other first officers that you might have just mentioned a moment ago. You know, it's interesting. You brought up a great word, balance. And in looking at the the character Bible description for Chakotay, it is, it is truly all about balance. I, I mean, I hate reading these things verbatim, but I think that this sheds so much light on this character. I'm, I'm going to indulge for just another minute. The first officer is a complex, some would say difficult, man. His background is unique. He spans two cultures, one foot in each, belonging to both and yet to neither. In the 22nd century, a group of Indian traditionalists became dissatisfied with the homogenization of humans that was occurring on Earth. Strongly motivated to preserve their cultural identity, they relocated to a remote planet near what has now become known as the Demilitarized Zone. Chakotay is a member of that Indian nation, but was always what his people call a contrary. He had a mind of his own, an individualistic rather than communal way of thinking. Though proud of his heritage and his traditions, he was not satisfied to ignore the galaxy around him. A galaxy teeming with diverse life forms and amazing technology, he broke from his people, educated himself in the ways of the 24th century, and attended Starfleet Academy. So this is a character that is, he's a study in contrasts, and that's what I keep learning about him. And as I think about it in hindsight, the entire series is a study of contrasts with Chakotay. Okuchimoya. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And it's amazing to see, and I love the fact that this background of the character was so detailed ahead of time. I'm sure that a lot of shows do this. I'm sure that Picard did it with all the characters and, and Discovery and probably even DS9. But to, to, to see it here and have you read it to really show the amount of effort that was put into creating these characters before they were even cast – or seen or heard is really a credit to the writing staff. There's there's another paragraph in here which is going to sort of segue us into the next phase of the conversation. As a leader, he is steady, fearless, and capable of inspiring absolute devotion. Though he comes on a Voyager more by necessity than choice, he quickly wins the re- wins the respect of even the most diehard of Starfleet veterans. He strikes an immediate and powerful bond with Janeway, an unusual one with Kim, who, through Chakotay's example, begins to question his own homogenization and the loss of his traditional values. And that takes us to Chakotay as a leader. Um, I think that paragraph is absolutely fascinating because I never thought of absolute devotion before. But his crewmates have that for him. Uh, whether they started as Maquis members or whether they were Starfleet. If we look at his his leadership as a member of the Maquis, it's, it's really important to know that he didn't join for the violence. He didn't join to strike back. He joined because his principal said, this is wrong. And how many other people actually can say that they did the same thing who joined the Maquis? Sure can't say that about Ensign Rowe, I don't think. Nope. Um, you can't, I mean, not about Cal Hudson either. No, absolutely not. So it's, I think that those are Starfleet qualities that stayed with him, even though he didn't stay with Starfleet. Does that make sense? I, I, yeah, I think it does. Yeah. 
I, I think that it's about being true to who he is and honest with who he is. And that's something that's really kind of pervasive all throughout Chakotay in the series. Um, he, he's not one, he's not one to just tell you what you want to hear. And he doesn't do it like ever, not even a Seska. He's, (laughs) he's blatantly honest with her. And uh, like, especially when she, you know, uses replicator rations to make his favorite soup, you know, and then she gets like dinged, what, like a week or something. Yeah. 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 Yep. Or she makes the soup without authorization and she breaks it in the mess hall and then has to give up replicator rations. My bad. Um, he is he is unwaveringly fair. Even at the times where it seems disadvantageous to people, he is that down the middle. And I think that's why I love this character. And that's a good example of what you just talked about, the whole Seska and the replicator thing and using real food. Can you imagine the amount of pressure that this guy must have? On one side, he wants to um, be the good Starfleet officer and prove to the captain that he can do what he's supposed to do as first officer. But on the other side, he wants to keep those relationships with the people that he was with in the Maquis. Oh my God, the amount of pressure and having to do what he needed to do as the ship's first officer must have driven him crazy. I, I can't even imagine. Well, even going back to his ship, the Valjean, when he was in the Maquis, a great reference to Victor Hugo's Les Miserables. Um, you figure his crew <laughs> was him. Tuvok, who turned out to be a spy. Mm-hmm. Torres, yep. who has blinding devotion to Chicote for mm-hmm. good reason. Yep. Paris at one point, apparently. And it's interesting to think that Chicote hates Paris. Yeah. <laughs> because I can't imagine. Tom Paris had to be the, the biggest of a-holes yeah. in order for Chicote to write him <laughs> off. Let's be honest about that. Yeah. Yeah, as well, you know, you don't go to the Botany Bay prison penal colony for nothing, whatever it's called. (laughs) Botany Bay. (laughs) Botany Bay. Oh, no. We've got to get out of here. Hurry. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I I think that it's interesting. One of my favorite lines that Chakotay has, you know, uh, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase it here. He's talking about, you know, was anybody on this ship actually, you know, on my side? (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> you know when Lawrence Tuvok was a spy, yep. Lawrence Tom Paris, you know was was dropping dimes on him. Um, it's uh, I appreciate the humor that Chakotay approaches situations with, even when he 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 could have left that entire scene with just going, "Man, what was I doing? I I just I am such a terrible judge of people. I should have known. Yeah. I should have known." And yet. You know, he, he's able to to make really just the sort of slightest offhanded comment that is is really kind of meant as a compliment in a way. Do you ever think he regretted taking the first officer position, at least in the beginning? I, I have to believe at the very beginning. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. everything was so uncertain. Yep. Um, I, I don't believe that regret lasted very long, though. No, I, and again, I... I, I Say that's due to the fact that they kind of just kind of wrote off the whole Maquis storyline fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, that could have been something that could have caused a whole lot of consternation throughout the entire series if they wanted it to. I'm glad they didn't, though. Um, I've never been a huge fan of the Maquis storyline. Um, so I was glad to see that um, they did have it for a little while, even though he is the reason that they all got sent to the Delta Quadrant. But that's for another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> even though I blame him. I blame you, Chicote. Uh, let's talk about his his leadership qualities as a Starfleet officer. Okay, you know, uh, as we've mentioned, you know, he he's grown in our estimation 
to the point where we consider him probably one of the finest first officers that Star Trek has ever shown on screen. Um, and that that's really not underselling it. I mean, no. he he executed the captain's vision uh, at times to his own peril. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it, it's interesting to see the way he not only crafted that vision and dispensed it to the crew, but also reported it back up to Janeway. He left nothing but absolute confidence between the two of them. And I think that that probably is the most important dynamic on the entire ship. I think one of the moments that totally points to what you're saying right now is in Scorpion. Um, Interesting. He has to, he has to say what he, what he feels. It's his responsibility as first officer to tell the captain when, when he thinks she is wrong. And he tells the whole story about the Scorpion and it's wrong, Catherine. I mean, that's one of the, that's, he says that right to her face. Um, and I think that that's a perfect example of that leadership. He takes it very seriously, and he is going to speak his mind uh, for the benefit of the entire ship and not just for what the captain wants. And he does a great job of it there. Doesn't listen to him, but uh, he still said what he wanted to say. Well, and there's there's yet other times where – and I don't mean to start talking about episodes yet because um, we're going to do that later, but I, yeah. I have to at this point. But I mean, when you you take a look at upholding the ideals of Starfleet, I I really can't look any further than Equinox. Janeway is ready to airlock a guy. Yeah. And Chakotay is the only thing standing between that guy and the void of space. Right. And he's willing to challenge Janeway to her face. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and tell her this is wrong and that she can't do it. And it's that moment where you realize he's not just a yes man. You know, I'm sure other people realized this long before I did, but um, he's not just a guy who's going to tote the water. He's not going to tell the captain what the captain wants to hear. He's going to be the first officer and challenge not only the, the people that report to him, but even his commanding officer. Is that the episode where he, she basically says, get out of my way, commander, and he says no? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that's a great one. Absolutely. Yeah, he he's he's you know, we didn't see the first officer as a true first officer in the original series. We kind of saw it a little bit in Next Generation where he went on the away missions because the captain was too important to send on away missions. And we really didn't have a first officer of a starship on Deep Space Nine. This is the first Star Trek series, when you really think of it, that has a true first officer in every sense of the word doing what we think a first officer should do. Some might say Riker did. And I think to some extent that's true. Not necessarily in the same way. Right. Because their styles were very different. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you want someone that is going to... uh, Well, Riker was handpicked by Picard. Yeah. Uh, Chakotay was not handpicked. He was the default choice because right. exactly. Janeway's first officer was killed. Right. I forget, I forget even who that was. Uh, does it matter? He, he, I think he barely made five minutes in the episode. Yeah. That's I mean, <laughs> a boom. Yeah. Thank oh. God he was wearing a red shirt. Uh, <laughs> oh, but I mean, you know, when we look at examples like that, I mean, at least it seems to me, and by, this is by no means a criticism of Janeway because I love Janeway. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times when Chakotay seems to uphold Starfleet's morals and tenets far better than the captain does, oh. making me wonder why he ever became a Maquis in the first place. Prime temporal directive, anyone? 
Uh, yeah, corporal prime corporal directive, prime, yeah. something like that. I, I, I'll, see, English is hard. Math is easy. <laughs> Math is easy. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. He. It seems to be he had he knew all the rules and wasn't going to break the rules, while Janeway knew all the rules but was going to bend them as far as she could. It, it's it's really the most interesting comparison and dichotomy because he came from a role where he was completely against Starfleet and the Federation and then probably became the most Starfleet and Federation guy on the bridge after uh, maybe close second to Harry Kim, possibly. But but I will say, as you pointed out, I think if there is a weakness to Chakotay, it's what you said. He turned way too quick. Yeah. He was that into the Maquis beliefs and what they wanted to accomplish without the violence. And then he so quickly turned back to be a Starfleet officer and upheld the Federation and Starfleet to a degree that we hadn't seen before. Is that weak writing? Is it, they needed to do it quick to get the stories for the rest of the season underway? I don't know, but I would say that that would be a demerit on the character of Chakotay. I have two hypothetical questions for you that literally just popped into my brain. Mm -hmm. Would Chakotay... have worked well with Michael Eddington. Yeah, I think so. You think so? Yep. Yep. And until the end, when Eddington oh, and, showed his true colors. Until the end, yeah. right? Well, I mean, in in the Maquis, not in Starfleet. Um. Yes, I think so. I think he would have. Um. He was very. Um, Eddington was very uh, true to his beliefs. I don't think he was true to the violence aspect either. Uh, to a point, at least not um, as some other Maquis had been. Uh, I mean, you saw the reaction when Cisco poisoned the planet. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that as members of the Maquis working together, I think they would have done well together. Now, let's assume for a minute that Michael Eddington wasn't the undercover guy on Deep Space Nine and that it was Chakotay. Do you think that that sort of pursuit of Cisco versus Chakotay gets to the same level. I don't I don't think it does. I don't think it does either because uh, A, I mean it's kind of hard. Are you saying exactly the same if Chicote was chief of security on the station, mm-hmm. for the Federation, everything the same? I don't I knowing the characters the way we do, I just I don't think it would have driven Cisco to the point if it was Chicote that it did with Eddington. I don't think that Chicote would have had the well, the, the outright hatred for Cisco, because that's really what he had at the end, or in the middle anyway, yeah. <laughs> in the middle act. I, I don't think that he would have driven Cisco to as extreme of measures. That's my belief. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with that. Um, I can't put a, a specific thumb on why, but I do think that that's, that's the case. Well, I think ultimately, although Eddington said it was about principle, for him, it wasn't necessarily about principle. It was, it seemed to be about revenge against Cisco to some extent. Yeah. Um, certainly when, when the chase started, when, you know, when the whole, to invoke Les Miserables again, yeah. uh, when that whole aspect of, of their dynamic started. So that's just a, that just popped into my brain. These things kind of happen like that. You know, in some ways you're even worse than the Borg. Great line. Different show. Great line. Great line. Uh, great character. Yeah. yeah. I would have liked to have seen some crossover between Eddington and Chicote 
at yeah. some point. I mean, it would have been really fascinating. I'll tell you what, now that you brought up that question of how they would have interacted with each other as members of the Maquis, that would have been awesome to see if it was some kind of flashback episode on Voyager where they were showing things that Chakotay would have done and they're at some uh, meeting of, of Maquis cell members and Eddington's at, and then they have a dialogue together. That would have been fantastic, man. I almost think that Chakotay would have dealt with Eddington up to a point and then had no use for him because Eddington's um, tactics were not the same kind of ones that Chakotay would employ. Interesting. That's kind of the way I feel. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, that's just my my gut feeling on it, yeah. but that's just the way it strikes me huh. because, I mean, Eddington was sort of an at-all-costs kind of guy and Chakotay yep. was not. I totally agree with that. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, just a, a slight little diversion there. You all can tell us what you think about that. Hit us up on social media. I'm curious to hear what people think. Absolutely. So uh, in a in a crew that is stranded so far from home and is theoretically going to be together for about 75 years. That's a long time. Um, yeah. Can you imagine the two of us being together for 75 years? No. 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 Don't even ever say that again. <laughs> it's been 25 so far and I already want to pull my hair out. You already have. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Relationships. Are, are key in, in, in this kind of situation. You're going to be with these people a long time, perhaps the rest of your life, as far as they know. Mm-hmm. Um, they, these may be, this may be the last family they ever have, which is really kind of sobering to think about. It's deep. Uh, well, I mean, if you're on a 75 year journey and you're already in your thirties, yeah. I'm just going to say odds are uh, that's the way it's going to be. True. But I think that one of the the relationships that, well, not one of, I think the most important relationship that Chakotay has on the ship is absolutely with Catherine Janeway. And I don't necessarily mean Captain Janeway. Without a doubt. Absolutely. It's one of the best relationships we see uh, in Star Trek between officers. And like you said, not Captain Janeway. They have a relationship. It's the, They care about each other. Um, they, they, they love each other to what level of love you can have discussions on. And I know we're going to talk about episodes, but you can't not talk about a relationship between Chakotay and, and Catherine and not talk about resolutions, um, when they're on the planet in the, in the build a house. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a perfect example of that relationship. It's, it's a fantastic, I love the relationship between these two characters throughout the series, even when they're at odds with each other. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I, I'm glad you brought up resolutions because I think it is among my top five episodes of the series, quite Mm -hmm. frankly, um, simply because of, well, for the same reason I like family in TNG, because it's about the human element. It's not about the science. It's not about the ships. It's not about phasers and photon torpedoes. It's about these people being human with one another and shaking off that rank and learning a new normal. Right. This is the first time in Star Trek, modern Star Trek, TOS kind of a little bit had happened, but it didn't really happen in TNG, didn't really happen in, 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 uh, in Deep Space Nine. How often did you see when we're watching Voyager that when Chakotay and Janeway are talking, he calls her Catherine? When does that that and and I know people were were freaking out uh, with Picard this year because every once in a while Raffi would call. Picard JL. I mean, to me, that just shows the relationship. Whether your whatever your rank is doesn't matter to me. I mean, if you're it's one on one, you're in the captain's ready room, you're in the captain's quarters. 
I thought it was great that they had that type of relationship where where he called her Catherine. That that's a small thing, but to me it was a huge thing. Well, you know, nobody freaked out when Spock called Kirk Jim, Jim. or yeah. Bones called him Jim. Mm-hmm. Nobody freaked out when Jadzia Dax would call Cisco Benjamin. Yeah, that was the time of Deep Space Nine that that happened. You I know, was I, more of Kira. No, but I mean, still, I mean, she's yeah. a subordinate officer in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody, even though they had a relationship before when she was Curzon, nobody was up in arms about that. Right. And I'm glad that people accepted that relationship between the two of them as being what it was. Somebody who had an infinite respect for somebody else. And I could be talking about either characters interchangeably at that point. Yeah. Because the amount of respect that Janeway shows towards Chakotay, Akuchimoya, is, is really quite stunning. I think it would be interesting if that had not happened. Because what kind of relationship do you have when you always have to put rank before everything else? If you're having dinner with with your captain and it's just the two of you, it's not a relationship between the two of you if when you're having a discussion, everything is captain or captain, commander, captain. And I'm glad that, you know, you said it a minute ago, they're going to be possibly spending the rest of their lives together. I understand protocol. I understand rank. I understand chain of command. But that's, you said it. This is your family now for possibly the rest of your life. And I like the way that they were able to show Captain Janeway and Chakotay as well. Kuchiboya. Don't leave me hanging like that. Sorry. Um, that they could have that relationship as well as the job, which included the rank. It, it shows to me the respect for people. And, you know, I mean, we talk about family when we talk about Star Trek a lot, whether it's in the show or outside f- the show in fandom. And I, I really got the sense of that family with Voyager, and it didn't take very long. I understand now the shippers, the people who wish that Janeway and Chakotay got together. Um, and just a, a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode on Threshold, where Janeway got to make hot lizard love with lizard Tom Paris, and they had lizard babies. <laughs> And I'm going to say right now, it's a travesty that nothing happened between these two characters to make them question that relationship because that's just good drama. Yeah, it absolutely is. No, I mean, this is the closest it ever gets is with resolutions. Yep, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. And I got to say, I don't want to sound like a pig. I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I'm like that whole episode. I'm like, oh, I, they got to get together. They got to get together. It's, it's time. It's right. And they don't. And it's Uh, okay. uh, It's okay, but it's not okay. What's um? I know I ha- I still have a problem recalling all the Voyager episode titles. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain that up front. But the other episode that that really gets to me is the one where Janeway and Chakotay their shuttle crash lands and she's essentially dying and he's got to revive her. Uh that remember. one. Yeah, I can't remember that one. That one. The name of it. It's it's not. It's not. Uh, that's not the one I have on my list. That's not. Uh, that's not waking moments. No, I don't think it is. I'll have to check. We'll have to check. I'll have to check. Put that up later. Well, you check on that. I'm All gonna. Right, I'm gonna talk about it for a minute. Okay. What becomes elemental to me in that sense is, Chicote realizes how crucial and important Janeway is to getting home. Yes, he respects her. Yes, he has an affection for her as a person, but his hope is tied in Janeway's survival. At that point, he needs her. And I think that that's, I think that's one of the, the biggest takeaways I have of that episode. You have the name of the episode right there. It's episode, uh, season three, episode 15, Coda. 
That's right, Coda. Damn it. Um, I think that's a fantastic episode because you see, you know, Chicote puts on this this great picture of being the prototypical first officer, but he's as invested in Janeway as she is in him. And I think it becomes incredibly apparent in that episode. There's a lot of that episode that I don't remember at all. And I know we're doing season three to see, see it or skip it pretty soon. So I'm going to have yeah. to refresh my memory with that one because I'm sure I'm going to be looking at this with a fresh set of eyes and I'll be like, wow, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the other relationships I think is is completely key and it's probably my favorite to be honest is the relationship he has with Taurus because there is just a blanket understanding that the two of them are going to be as truthful as possible to one another mm-hmm. and because they ha- they have worked together previously <laughs> <Okay. laughs> they, they worked at a di- they worked at a different job before um <laughs> Uh, because they have that relationship, they've been in close quarters, they've been in combat, they've relied on each other for survival. And I I really appreciate that aspect of their relationship, that it's translated so well into the into Voyager. Um, and I, I don't know if, I don't know if Chakotay could have been as effective without Balana in that key role, honestly. Do you really think though, that you would get any other type of relationship between Chakotay and Balana where she was not 100% honest with him? And wanting to like punch him in the face, he would. She would. I I, I mean, just the way that that Balana is throughout the series. um, I think there's an extra level of it with Chakotay, but I would have expected nothing less from her. I think there are times where she would have maybe been a little more guarded and candid as she is with Janeway up front um, because she's so Starfleet. I I, I think that it allows her some freedom. It allows her to almost a confessional of sorts. Interesting. Yeah, because she can go to Chakotay and say, dude. (laughs) <laughs> can you can you believe this? Yeah, you know it's she did. which she did, which she has done many times. Yeah. Yep. So I, for me, I think that that's important for him because it gives him the same outlet. Absolutely. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I've seen it from the other side of the coin. Uh, the uh, the foot's on the other hand now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the foot. <laughs> you kill me, Davidson. That's, that's a great movie. You kill me. You think of what it is. I, um, uh, I I'm not going to remember. I'm going to I'm gonna have to Google it. Airplane. And I've seen airplanes so many times. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, yeah, um, it's it's funny because I remember very vividly the way that Bellana would be with Janeway during the first few episodes of Voyager, and how how guarded and and keeping things close to the vest she was, and the reason for it, and then how she would open up and kind of spill it all out uh, to Cote. But then at the same time. When she saw that he was becoming more Starfleet again, I think she kind of reeled it in a little bit. I no, I agree with you hundred okay. percent. I I I think that's a great observation. Well, look oh, at us; we're being all positive today. Gosh, wow. I don't know. Stop that's gonna, it. That's going to end probably. It's got to end. I can't deal with this. <laughs> um, Chicote, good boy. Also, I mean. If you look at the relationship we had with Tom Paris, since we're talking about Bellana, you can't really talk about Bellana without invoking Paris at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find that their relationship probably got a little too chummy too soon. You figure in the pilot, I mean, they're not, uh, I think they both want to kill each other until the whole thing with the falling stairs. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Paris gets saved. It is Paris that gets saved, right? Correct. And after that, it's like, oh, well, he must not be a bad guy after all. That to me is really the only forced 
relationship at the beginning of Voyager. Um, I, I think it's a little unnatural. I like where it goes. I like that there's still a little bit of tension between them after that, but I think that it, it wasn't necessarily realistic to me that they got along that quickly. You know, this is going to sound really weird. I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm thinking of, of episodes from the first season. I don't remember their relationship very much at all. And maybe it's because I didn't think they had one, and I wasn't looking for it. Um, I do remember um, during the whole episodes where Paris was pretending that he was being a jerk and yep. and was showing up late. I thought that the relationship the two had there with the headbutting was fantastic. I did too. Um, but then you find out that it was all staged. Um, and it was kind of like, ah. But other than that, I, I don't have a whole lot of comment on the relationship because I really never felt it. That well, weird? I, you know, I, I don't think it's weird. I mean, you can infer a lot of things. I mean, Chakotay doesn't usually call him Paris. He calls him Tom, which oh, indicates true. a familiarity. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, I mean, that seemed to happen all over the Voyager bridge. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's a, on occasion they'd use rank, but Chakotay more often than would go, Tom, you know, right. take us to Warp 9, whatever. Yes, ma'am. Oh, sorry. <laughs> was that to me or? No, no. No, no. That, that probably was the relationship I thought that was the most kludgy at the beginning. Mm. Um, however, I have to say I do like the way that Chakotay and Tuvok yes. interacted across the entire whole of the series. And I think that there was great respect between the two of them despite the rough start they got off to. It could have been a horrible relationship the whole time based on the fact that Tuvok was a spy uh, in his Maquis cell. And uh, yeah, that could have gone very badly. But I think that level of respect was held by both of them, which is interesting that a Vulcan would respect Chakotay as much as he did with the fact that he was with what was deemed a terrorist organization. Absolutely. So let's talk about some episodes since we're we're kind of drawing to a close on on our look at Chakotay, I know you've listed a few that that you absolutely like as far as Chakotay episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about resolutions a little bit. What other ones did you want to enter into the record? Well, resolutions definitely is is I think the one that that I put right up there. I think um, shattered is a is a really good one. Also, um, it has it's a it's a it's a good. It, it it's got a lot of aspects to the episode itself, but I like the Chakotay portions of that of that episode. Um, one of my favorites, though, um, has got to be um, uh, worst case scenario, which we talked about. Oh yeah, so being able to yeah. be that mutineer, I think, was really great. Now, of course, it was all just a hollow novel, and so it wasn't really the true Chakotay, but it let Robert Beltran come out of his shell a little bit and really have a lot of fun with the character. And I think, I think he did a great job with it. And this might, this might um, come out as a little weird for you, man, but I'm going to throw timeless in there. Of course, that's definitely a Harry Kim story, but I think the relationship that we see that Chakotay has with Kim during that episode really shows a lot of the character. And he was willing to die to help Harry set things right. And I thought that that was really something that stood out to me. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but when you when you put it in that in that uh, framing, I, I have to agree with you one hundred percent. I uh, I want to add to that workforce because oh, yeah. I really like the way that Chakotay is written into workforce. He's sort of the the center. You know, he's the guy who knows what's going on and has to infiltrate and bring everybody back home, if you yeah. will. And I really love what they give him to do in that episode. I I don't think it works with any other character. 
Um, no. Honestly, if you could put Tuvok in that role, I don't think it's the same. Um, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I think that it's really, I, now are you talking about the entire two part episode or just speci- uh, one specific part one or part two? Uh, no, really the whole two parter. Okay. Yep. Oh, that's cool. It, you can also throw the same, you know, I was talking about how, uh, um, worst case scenario is kind of a hologram. I kind of like how he, how he is in killing game also, even though he's just a soldier. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of not, it's not really talking about the character of Chakotay and, and episodes that stand out for Chakotay. It, it's just fun one. It's a fun one for me for him. There, there are a bunch of episodes like that, though. I mean, um, what's the one where he's on the Kazon ship? You know, your favorite race, the Kazon, mm-hmm. and Aaron Eisenberg is in the episode. Initiations. Yeah, that's a fantastic that's, episode. That's a fa- I actually wrote that. I actually have that in my list, but I forgot to mention it. <laughs> there you go. You can see. You can prove it. Just look at the notes. It's right there, pal. <laughs> oh, well, you see, I forgot the name of the episode. It is right there. Um, uh, I just I st- steered you toward it without even realizing. See, you're help, you're helping steer the ship. Good job, Captain. Uh, oh, th- uh, thank you. Thank you, Ensign. Um <laughs> um, what is it about that episode that particularly stands out to you? I like the way he stands up to the to the kid. Yeah. Um and but at the same time, I can't remember um Aaron's character name in that episode, but at the same time he stands up to him, but at the same time he really wants him to succeed, even though he really can't show it, kind of. Um mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a it, and I'm pretty much, I mean, it's Chakotay in this episode. This is a, it, this is kind of a, not, he's not the only character you see, but this is a quote Chakotay episode right. and it really stands out well. And, and I think that of course the job that Aaron did in this is, is fantastic as well. And the two worked very well together. There's one relationship that I meant to bring up that I forgot. And that's the one with Seska. Oh um, my God. I, one, Martha Hackett is so freaking amazing as Seska. I love the doubt that she is able to place in Chicote oh, with yeah. just a sentence. Yeah. And and where he has to essentially say, yeah, by the way, I know you're a spy. <laughs> um that episode is just it's gut-wrenching because you know that he's got feelings for Seska. Yep. Um that's he's just your father. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Surprise. Oh. Um and then if there's one other episode I know that you absolutely love but Chicote, it's got to be the fight. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna leave now. <laughs> um, hey, every character has an episode that is not fantastic, and I think that's probably the Chicote episode in that category. I don't know you want to talk. I'm not even talking about it. Just move along. You know, what I, you never mentioned though. What's up? Uh, and maybe you say maybe you were saving it, and I'm gonna you know uh, step on chatter, my toes. Chatter? Step on your toes. The relationship with seven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you brought up the fight. I'm bringing up the relationship with Seven. <laughs> I could see if they had bothered to introduce that in an earlier season. Yes, I'd buy it. Yeah, um, but the fact that they waited until the last episode, right? Um, just well, really made no sense to me. Did they have the picnic? Was that the last episode? Yeah. Was that before? Oh, okay, it was. Okay, yeah. again, the picnic was the start of it, but that was the last episode. So, um, yeah. at least I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, I, I think they right. attempted to le- to plant some seeds for it. Yeah. With some of their conversations, but uh, it just no, yeah. no. It, it, I I think they they did it in the last episode because they needed something to really force part of the reason why Janeway was doing what she did. Yeah. Um, and so they made, oh, let's make sure that they had a relationship and then she can do it for her and seven and blah, 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 blah. So yeah, I, yeah. Well, Dan, 
parting thoughts as we uh, close our conversation on this, uh, this most Starfleet of first officers? One of the things that I love so much about the fact that, as I said earlier, now that I'm older and have a different viewpoint of things, I can really go back and enjoy these episodes. Like I think they were meant to be enjoyed 25 years ago. These characters have really taken a different, I've taken a different tone with these characters. And I think that Chakotay is the one that I've taken the greatest tone change with. Didn't like him at first at all. Couldn't stand him. Blamed him for everything. Thought he was a jerk. He's going to turn on Janeway. And now we're sitting here talking about he's probably the finest first officer we've seen in any Star Trek series. That's quite a change. Yeah. Uh, and I really am glad that I've been able to have that rewatch and subsequent watches of different episodes over the course of the last few years to fully appreciate it. And, you know, I think part of the reason I meant to talk about this earlier, so I'm going to bring it up now. I think maybe part of the reason that I had a problem with Chicote at first was I thought I read or heard a rumor that Beltran didn't like playing the character. I don't think that's true, but that shouldn't have been a reason for me not to like, dislike the character. I totally think now as we've watched him talk about things, especially now that the 25th anniversary is around, he's fully engaged in talking about Chicote. He loved it. He loved his time on the show. And I'm sorry that if that is something that made me dislike him at first, that I let that happen. Well, I think he had frustrations with the writing. And, mm -hmm. But we've had that as fans. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think he was certainly more a part of that simply because he was working on the show. I think at times that left to him resenting yeah. uh, Star Voyager and Star Trek. Okay. Um, but I could understand that. I mean, yeah. I, I can't fault him for that. But I mean, I look at what he does today. And I yeah. mean, the dude got his face painted like Chakotay at STLV a couple of yeah. years ago and did photo ops. <laughs> I mean, awesome. um, I, I'm willing to bet he's reconciled a lot of that. I think um, so. And if yep. he can leave it behind, then I can too. And that's something that I'm I'm looking forward to, um, hoping we can go to conventions again someday, is being able to meet some of these people that I never had thought of having a photo op or an autograph with. And he's one of them. Yeah. I never really thought about it before, but, you know, especially researching for this episode and, and watching the, the H&I rewatch, I got, a, I got a lot of love for the Voyager characters, and I can't wait to take advantage of it at some of these conventions coming up during the 25th anniversary celebration. You and me both, man. You and me both. Well, Dan, as we're coochie moyaing all over the place today, <laughs> we should at least uh, throw one of those out to five-year mission because they are amazing, and we love them. So this past weekend, they did their Quarren stream, which... Uh, they were originally they were going to perform live at, at Mike Rittenhouse's comic shop in, in Indianapolis, Hero House Comics. Um, by the way, if you're looking for comics, talk to Mike. You know, Mike's Mike's amazing. But uh, when everybody got their stay-at-home orders, they essentially attended this Zoom webinar that that we put together for them and played from their own houses individually, acoustically, which was, it was a great night. They were able to raise over $1,100 for both the World Health Organization awesome. and for a local food pantry in the Indianapolis area, um, all thanks to people just requesting songs. So uh, kudos to them for the amazing job they did, raising money for two great organizations. And of course, we thank them for all of the music they let us use here across the Trek Geeks Network. <laughs> And honestly, just for being amazing guys, head on out to fiveyearmission.net, get all their albums in your hands, and then go download their podcast because that's amazing. And um, well, we just, we can't thank them enough, Dan. So you threw out a special Akuche Moya just to the boys. Why wouldn't I? I'm the sixth member of Five Year Mission. 
shouldn't it be Farcuche Moya? I know we've used it before, oh. but it just kind of makes sense right now, doesn't it? Could the episode any- anyway? I need to so, prepare yeah. for this. Hold on one second. Okay, sorry. Me, me, me. Here we go. <clears throat> go. Farcuche Moya. Oh, that's beautiful. How that's was that? Beautiful. Was that? That I was justified. I, I got a tear in my eye. And it's not because it was just an awesome Farkism, but because you did it so well. Thank you. Um, speaking of, of Farkisms, Bill. Oh, man. I got to say, congratulations, Captain Cisco. Newly promoted and hosting Ambassador Noah. Yes. Um, there's a possible coup taking place on the Zenkathi homeworld, however, and the Defiant is ordered to check into it. Musicians are just going rampant all over the planet, we're told. Um, but is it real, Bill? Or is it all some elaborate plan of the founders to start a war under false pretenses? And and really, is Bashir a changeling imposter? Or is it someone we least expect? Watch it. Before it's too late. They are everywhere. Yes, it's the incredible season three finale. The Adfarksary. Bill? Bill. Hello? Really? I didn't mean to hurt you. <sighs> Quark. Now, you hurt me every week you do a, a farkism, quite frankly. <laughs> it's like you stab me in the heart with an ice pick. Ow. Ooh. Yeah. Huh. I, 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 I wish you'd stab me in the eardrum so I didn't have to hear these anymore. <laughs> I like that one. It's a good, it's a good episode. I've recently given thought to trying to puncture my own eardrums. <laughs> um, <laughs> it makes sense, though, you know? What does? The Adfarksary. When, when has anything you've ever said made sense? Um, sure, I'll do a podcast with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. How much cajoling did that take? I can't even breathe. <laughs> oh, that's, that's like the day I've dreamed for. <laughs> anyway. That's fiveyearmission.net. Please, please go buy all their CDs and become huge fans as we have ourselves. Uh, Dan, of course, don't forget, you can support the Trek Geeks Network by subscribing to exclusive bonus content via Patreon. You can check out our new t-shirt and pin designs for 2020 and even get raw, unedited audio of all of our podcasts, along with some other perks. Lots of perks. Um, but right now, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. Thank you, Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, Jim McMahon, Luke Burnham, Eric Sakian, Lisa Tomlinson, Jamie McGregor, and the glorious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. <laughs> that never gets old for me. Nope. That's why I'm going to do it. And Conrad truly is gracious and wonderful. I mean, <laughs> he is very. He's probably one of the nicest people we've ever met. Yep. I mean, everyone's great, but Conrad is just so, so fantastic. He is. Uh, unlike you, because yeah. you're kind of a schmuck. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. You, too, can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today. Dan, next week, uh, I had another Ooh. crazy idea, and as a result, we're going to be doing something we've truly never done before. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Indeed we are, man. Next week, uh, we're bringing back our popular Say Something Nice series, but there's a catch. Yeah, we need your help, people. So that means we are going to do it live. That's right. Tuesday, April 7th, 2020, on our Facebook and YouTube pages, you'll get to say something nice with us next week. You got it on Trek Geeks, the flagship podcast network for your fandom. That'll be live streaming on both our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trekgeeks and our YouTube page at youtube.com slash trekgeeks, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, or whatever the heck time it is in your particular time zone. That's next week on our all-new Trek Geeks. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Everybody is out there putting out some great content to help get us through these days and um, I'm listening to every last hour of it and I know Dan is too and of course for more great Star Trek discussion please visit our great friends at treknews.net for now this has been episode number 212 of the Trek Geeks podcast we hope you all stay safe sane live long and prosper Akuche Coconut am I right? that actually might be the best coconut you've ever done. I wish a Farkism could chart like that. Oh. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Big bong! Yeah, well, bing bong to you, sir. Uh, Thank you for using sir. I'm glad you recognize that I'm higher than you on the org chart. Thank you. Yes, sir. Oh, I love this. Mr. Executive Producer, (laughs) sir. Uh, whatever the title is, it's like, uh, in a way you're kind of like Dwight Schrute in the office. Wow. You're not assistant regional manager, you're <laughs> assistant to the regional manager. No, assistant manager. <laughs> no, assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> See, I actually get that now because I've been watching the office. How many episodes? No, I'm, if I, you have, if you haven't seen more than a dozen episodes, you're not watching. The I'm office. in season two. How deep? Uh, like three episodes, I think. So you've seen nine. There's only six episodes in the first season. There are. That's horrible. It was a mid-season replacement. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess. All right. Whatever. So you're where you were the last time I asked you about The Office. I haven't watched it in a couple of weeks, yeah. Yep. So uh, let's get going. All right. It's a freaking quarantine. You got my, nothing to do. I think one do. of my favorite ones so far of the whole nine that I've watched is the basketball one. Oh, my God. That one is so funny. <laughs> so funny. It, it is so uncomfortable to watch Steve Carell's character because he is so awful. But he's so brilliant. He is, but he's so, it's like, oh my God, how can he say that? Can you picture anybody else playing that part? No. 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 I mean, it's, I mean, people talk about the UK version and Ricky Gervais, but the US version of The Office is so different. Yeah. And Michael Scott is certainly not David Brent, the, the UK character. Um, I can't picture anybody else on the planet playing Michael Scott because Steve Carell is just, oh. he, he's irreplaceable. Yeah. That's why this, the, the show changed when he left. Yeah. And what season was that? Uh, he left at the end of season seven. Okay. All right. So I got him for a while then. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. There are some good episodes in seasons eight and nine. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's not the same dynamic. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. 
We're going to The Office. We'll throw a little big bang into that, too, at the same time. So. Yeah. What are we watching right now? We're watching uh, Seal Team on CBS All Access. Oh. Or, or. Not those oh. seals. Oh, sorry. Okay. I was very skeptical at first. Mm-hmm. I am really amazed at how well that show is put together. Oh, well, I'm all good. in. Okay. All right. It's good to know. It's got uh, David Boreanaz from mm-hmm. Angel and uh, Bones. Yep. So yep. it was on Fox for, for t- do you know Bones ran on Fox for 10 years? Yeah, it was a long time. I had no idea. Yep. I never watched it. Yeah, I never did either. But uh, I always remember the girl always looked very intense. Yes. Like she was just about to like either kill somebody or solve the mystery. One or the other, I couldn't tell. <laughs> kind of like me anytime we record Trek Geeks. Exactly. Yep. So, so last night I approached you with an idea. You did. And as usual, I'm sure you thought the idea was crazy. No, you know, actually I didn't because now with Picard live and how successful that's been and how how great you have become behind the scenes and Dan Garcia, it makes perfect sense, man. I thought it was a great idea. So next Tuesday night, that's April 1st, 2020, at 8 p.m. Eastern time, you and I are going to record episode 213 of Trek Geeks live. Well, that would be April 8th? No, yes. tonight, today's the 31st. Yeah. It'll be April, uh, April 7th? April, tomorrow's the 1st, which is, so it'll be April 8th. Yeah. No, oh, we're recording oh, we're Tuesday, gonna, April oh, we're 7th. We're going to do a Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday, April 7th. Okay. All right. Math is, math is so not hard, but knowing what day of the week is sucks. It is a 31-day <laughs> month this month. <laughs> and I think right now it's March 97th. Because that's like what that. it feels like. So, exactly, it does. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm excited. To, uh, so Tuesday... <laughs> Tuesday, April 7th. 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 At 8 p.m. Eastern, we will be live on our Facebook and YouTube pages, recording episode number 213 uh, wow. live. So it's going to be pretty fun. I'm looking forward to it. You know why? What's because that? we get to say something nice. That's it. I figured what ep- you know what kind of episode would fit a live show mm. where we get feedback on the fly. And I figured say something nice is perfect for that because people can either agree with us or disagree with us or say their own nice things mm. in comments yep. and we can bring those up and talk about them. So it's like, it's the live audience is the third guest. Are we going to have like a live guest. audience laugh track? That wouldn't be a live audience. Then, would it? That wouldn't be. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> this episode of Trek Geeks is filmed before a live studio audience. <laughs> Sorry. We should just play the bit that they played at the beginning of Happy Days or Laverne and Shirley yes. that says that. It's exactly the two shows I think of in Three's Company, those three shows. Um, maybe we yeah. just play that drop live. <laughs> I like that. Right after oh, the actually, coconut. You know what? They, didn't, they didn't say that at Three's Company, did they? No, they said it's only on Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Mork and Mindy, too, I think. Because that was really also a, uh, a Gary Marshall show. I never really got into that, although, although yeah, Pam Dauber's character did drive a Jeep and they were in Colorado, so that they had that going for them, which is nice. In Boulder. Yes. Yep. Which is, you know, that's not bad. It's, it's a, a place beautiful area. in the land. It should be Boulder, Colorado. That's what I'm thinking. After it's, Milwaukee or wherever the hell Happy Days was. Yeah. As he, went, he got an upgrade from Milwaukee to Boulder. I'm going to say <laughs> that right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and his roommate is pretty much an upgrade from uh, Richie Cunningham. That's very true. Yeah, so. I thought that was the weirdest episode of Happy Days. It didn't fit to have Mar- Mork on Happy Days. But you know what? That episode, I got to say, and from what I remember of it, was better than any of the Mork and Mindy show. Yes. Oh, I yeah. agreed 100%. Yep. Wow. We're just 
all kinds yeah. of hot takes here on the Trek Geeks yeah. outtake. You get the fawns getting frozen. And frozen, just frozen. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the Nanu Nanu is essentially the live long and prosper Ex- yep. on its side. Right. Except you don't shake hands like that. Nanu Nanu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. So that's And uh, Mork's costume was Colonel Green's costume. Uh, yep. From Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like the actual costume, which yep. uh, people didn't stop to realize. Uh, cool. Those of us who watched it live realized it. There you go. I, we were we were alive back then watching it. <laughs> we were very young. Not the Star Trek episode, but the Mork and Mindy Fawn's Fon, Happy Days uh, episode. I don't yeah. even know if there was a title to episodes of shows back then, but it was probably called the Mork episode or Mork from Mork or I don't know. <laughs> I can't but even really give you a whole bunch of crap because I haven't seen you. Right. But, you know, isn't it weird how how episodes, they don't even show the title like like on Discovery and on Picard. They don't even right. show the episode titles anymore. Right. And then you had like Friends where it was always the one about or the one with. They all started with the one blah, blah, right. blah. Right. And now that I don't even, I really would, will say that's something I miss. I like the t- seeing the titles in the opening scenes of the Star Trek shows, and they don't do it anymore. Do you miss the captain's log, even though Michael Shabon says it's extraneous information that means nothing? I don't think I'd miss it. No, no. I, I will say that one of the, I, I'm glad that they've kind of gotten rid of star dates, at Same least for Picard, um, because they were completely all over the chart um, back in the day. I like how they would have in Picard, and this isn't giving spoilers away, when they would show different times, they would just show so many years ago or the right. planet name and something. I thought that was pretty cool. I did like that. I appreciated that. I, I th- My belief is that the captain's log was relied on too heavily in the tail end of Berman Trek to explain things that happened off screen just so mm-hmm. they didn't have to film it yeah. for the screen. Captain's log supplemental. Well, this happened a lot in Voyager. Yeah. You know, this happened a lot in Enterprise. It happens toward the tail end of of Next Gen and Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. But if it happens on the screen, you don't have to have a narrative uh, to explain what happened and why. Right. Um, Were there times they could have used it? Possibly. But I don't think it took away from Star Trek Picard or Star Trek Discovery quite frankly. There was one aspect of Star Trek Picard that drove my wife crazy in one episode. And I don't want to get into the details, but it was... He gave a briefing to someone off screen and the scene started with that person saying, that's quite a briefing you've given and didn't really expand on what that briefing was. And that, that bothered Sue a lot. I'm trying to remember the episode. I don't want to say, cause we don't want to give spoilers away here on Trek Geeks. That's true. Yeah. So, so people who haven't seen it, watch Picard and then you can ask me. And if you haven't seen Picard, what is wrong with you? Watch it. <laughs> so I have heard from people that, had not watched it from the beginning. And with the free month that CBL mm-hmm. Access was giving away, you know, considering that we're all sort of shut in for a while, yeah. they decided to dial it up and watch Picard and they have loved it. And these are people who loved TNG previously or liked TNG previously. Yeah. And they thought it was, it was amazing. So, I mean, this series is speaking to people that have watched Star Trek before. And yeah. I think that's what's important. I think it's great. We're going to do our uh, an episode soon about Picard season one uh, Two weeks. in a couple weeks and and we will have spoilers in that one but I can't wait to talk about it because this was this was unlike anything I expected and it may be my favorite first season of any show ever I'll agree to that yeah so I can't wait to talk about it the level of emotion in season one I was not prepared for no 
there were times where I found myself, you know, having tears in my eyes and I was not expecting it from Star Trek. And with, mm-hmm. well, people joke that Michael Burnham cries all the time in season two. I felt like Michael Burnham <laughs> watching Star Trek Picard. Yep. During there were one. aspects of it, especially on the finale that I was not prepared for and totally just, I, I was struggling as Joe Namath likes to say, <laughs> to hold it together because we were watching with a bunch of people. Um, I don't care about the team struggling. <laughs> struggling. I want to kiss I you. I want to kiss you. <laughs> uh, poor Susie Culber. Oh, my um, God. That was during even, a Patriots game. It was. Even at the premiere in Hollywood, there were times where I was just welling up with tears in those mm. first three episodes because you realized what was on the line and what it meant and what it meant for Picard. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in two weeks uh, after we do the impromptu Trek Geeks live stream of Say Something Nice next week. Coming up next week, it's Trek Geeks Live. Well, we'll call it live stream to differentiate from the live show in Concord, New Hampshire on October 25th. Wow. Okay. Coming next week, it's Trek Geeks live stream. Excellent. I wish people could see the face you just made. (laughs) That was pretty good, wasn't it? It was. It was. Anyway. Yeah. All right, Jerk, you ready to do this? Let's do it, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you didn't say Chicote. Oh, sorry. Say say, say the word. Chicote. Akuchimoya. <laughs> See, that's how that should work this whole episode. Okay. That then it's gonna happen. All right. Okay. All right, here we go. Coconut. <laughs>